Merry Christmas, Erica. Merry Christmas, Stephen. I'm still wearing my uh, my crown for my Christmas cracker. That's right. We You never knew about Christmas crackers until you came here. Is that right? I had never heard of such a thing. Even though I'd apparently seen them or the aftermath thereof with the crowns and stuff on Doctor Who, it never penetrated in my in my mind i just thought oh neat that family has a weird thing that they do on christmas they wear paper crowns huh that's cool yeah you never put to where they have the crackers they pull the crackers apart and then the next scene they're wearing these hats and anyone in england who or anyone who would be familiar with such traditions would know that oh the crowns came from the crackers but not you nope not a clue because that's not there there are no crackers like when in the states uh, uh, crackers are food Mm -hmm. like delicious crispy food uh it's a not very nice slang word for white people and um there are firecrackers which are like explode Mm. loudly (laughs) that's that's all i knew yeah i didn't uh i i didn't have them when i was growing up and they've only become a thing uh in my adult life and now i see them everywhere i see them on clearance racks at uh superstore a couple days ago (laughs) they're they're available for sale so now i see them everywhere um, because Canada here we inherit many traditions, including those from the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just think it's so neat that I insist on. And this year, all the crowns were shiny gold. Yeah, in our crackers, we had fancy crackers this year, and uh, I'm just I'm not taking it off until I absolutely have to for bed. It's really nice, and I imagine probably the material mm-hmm. would have been used on many a Doctor Who costume back ah. in the 60s and 70s a little bit too. So. Yeah. Oh, and also, by the looks of it, it also insulated the uh, Apollo 11 moon lander. So, um, yep. yeah. Yep, it's pretty good. But mm-hmm. uh, but we have uh, just celebrated Christmas uh, by watching episode six, the final episode of The Mind of Evil, in which the phrase, the mind of evil, is actually used. Yes. Yes, it's one of the... I, I imagine that someone has done in the past, gone through all the stories to say, here are the stories and or episodes where they actually said the episode title. And it's probably not as common as we think, but here it is, the mind of evil. Uh, given given how many of evil uh, uh, Doctor Who titles there are, this might be the only one. I'm, don't quote me on that, but um, yeah, it's always fun when you hear the episode title quoted. Of evil or evil of the... Yeah. There's both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The power of the Daleks actually appears in the power of the Daleks, mm. I think. It might. It might. Yeah, I want to call this uh, this story uh, The Singing Cybermen. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Just because of the sound that the uh, the machine thing makes. That wow, <laughs> yeah, it just it it sounds like it, uh, similar to the Cyberman noise, like of the the Cyberman with the the yeah. plates, the voice plates, just somebody going wow, 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 with that in their mouth, and it's awesome. The, the Tomb of the Cybermen slash Moonbase Cybermen, those ones, yeah. Yes, yeah. yep, exactly, and that's just like kind of what it sounds like, but it's a uh, it's a cool it's a cool sound effect. Mm-hmm. It's also a cool effect when it kills people toward the end that uh, sort of overexposed, like they look, you know, kind of grainy and orange almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Just overexposing certain parts of the picture, which maybe it was a very revolutionary tactic at the time in 1971, but impressed you. Yeah, it looked looked neat Mm -hmm. and different. Yeah. Um, Oh, I was going to say something about this episode now, and I can't remember what it was. Something about... No, I know what it was. I gathered that you actually like this story. I do. Well, I knew I liked it, but uh, I'm finding that I really, really like it. Yeah, like a lot. It's just, this is a really good one. It's 
there are a lot of little pieces mm-hmm. that uh, I think the first time I saw it, I just sort of took it all in and like the, the things that stood out in my mind were just, you know, uh, it takes place in a prison. There's a giant gunfight and mm-hmm. there's there's so much more to it than that that I'm that I'm finding. Well, that's good because uh, I had this, you know, I, we didn't wait almost four months because of my trepidations about you watching a John Pertwee story that I thought perhaps you wouldn't like. But, I mean, the, you know, with the assault on Stangmore, I knew there's going to be a big gun battle. I know how you feel about those. And, you know, there's going to be lots of uh, doctor, brutish kind of, you know, things. Oh, these are probably all the elements of the John Pertwee era that, era that you probably wouldn't like. But here you are, six episodes later, and you're liking it. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, the doctor isn't isn't bothering me. And maybe that's just because there is enough stuff around that I'm really enjoying the interactions between all the characters. And actually, after watching episode six, I feel a lot better about the Doctor-Master relationship. Oh, please explain. Uh, Well, because at the end, the Doctor is really keen on destroying the heck out of the Master. And I feel like, okay, good. So all of that, uh, you know, the the, the banter in between them really was the Doctor just recognizing, like, this is the position that I'm in right now. It's not going to get me anything Mm -hmm. to be, you know, extra... pouty or whatever so i might as well just you know act as is appropriate in the circumstances lull him into a false sense of security as much as possible and at the end he really is trying to get rid of him i think i think maybe later uh much later like as in more recent doctor who uh doctor's attitudes toward the master have sort of colored my thinking about this uh a little too much whereas at this point in the saga uh he it's the doctor recognizes what a threat the master is and i appreciate too that he's you know thinking not just of earth but of other planets like if i give him the piece of the tardis here i'm unleashing him on entire other worlds do Mm. i have do i have the right (laughs) does he have the right to do that uh and i i appreciate that he's doing that sort of you know moral calculus in in his head and doesn't doesn't want to make that happen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and he says we're gonna blow him up with a missile and we're gonna blow up the uh, caliber machine as well uh with and he doesn't even like give two two thoughts about it thinking yeah that's what we're gonna do blow him up i do have a little bit of a problem though with them just blowing it up this is supposed to be a nuclear missile with mm-hmm. nerve gas in it so and i was kind of hoping that there would be some sort of hand wavy thing where like oh the keller machine <laughs> absorbed all of the radiation and the nerve gas yeah. because because you know hand wave hand wave hand wave yeah. and they didn't do that so like have they just cordoned off a giant chunk of the middle of england or what has what's happened they did evacuate within a 10 mile radius 10 miles is all you need with, with the nuclear explosions i think it's probably fine uh, yeah. You know, look at that last scene and look at how windy it was. They just spoofed nerve yeah. gas into the air mm-hmm. in that like gale force winds there. Hmm. I just I just wonder about the uh, the fallout, literal fallout yeah. uh, after the end of this story. Maybe it wasn't primed. Maybe that was a thing. And it, um, I mean, it's still nerve gas. There's still nerve gas in there. Yep. It's not like it's a, something that needs to be turned on. I mean, the nuclear mm-hmm. de- uh, detonation device perhaps wouldn't have been that, proud but yeah yeah that's possible yeah. i don't know anyway that's that was that, i don't really care i just think it's kind of, <laughs> i just think it's kind of funny like yeah. oh the explosion it means a happy ending uh, except for you know poor barnum's death 
Yeah, poor Barnum. The the one pure character in this, and he's the one who dies because he stops to try to help the master because he's so pure and nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no good deed goes unpunished, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Nice, a nice vulnerable performance from Neil McCarthy in that. I thought I really liked him in that role. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've, I think probably the only other thing that I really know him from, as you mentioned before, is The Power of Krull, where he plays a very different kind yeah. of character. And I just suspect, based on what he looks like and his stature, that he probably didn't get a lot of opportunities to play gentle characters like this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just guessing. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and he made a career out of it. But, uh, but I think he did a, a really excellent job in that in that role uh both roles really i mean he we got to see him at the beginning being a a big angry tough guy Mm. uh for a brief brief period of time and then he becomes this sort of gentle giant which is you know he's he 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 plays it very well uh but we do get (laughs) we do get another benton being not quite great at his job moment okay yes you you you've become the um Acting governor yeah. of the pri- of the prison, which, you know, another very sort of like subtle bit of interaction between the brigadier and Benton, you know, and Benton's kind of like, oh, I guess, if you, you know, yeah. and brigadier don't get any delusions of grandeur. That's, that's, a, that's a lovely little scene, little sequence there. And then, okay, so you've been left as the acting governor. Here's this fella mm-hmm. who's sitting in the office. <laughs> Probably that means... There's, he's important somehow. There's something important about him, and he just says, "Oh, you just go off wherever you want to go." Yeah. Like he wants to talk to. Like he gets up and he's Doctor Summers. I I would like to talk to. Like he's so delighted mm-hmm. that like that's a person I know. Yeah. I would like to talk to him. Like it kind of broke my heart a little bit that moment. And then Benton's just like, "Oh, you go go do whatever you want." Yeah. Um, oh, Benton. <laughs> And yet, him shooing Barnum away is what is leads to him wandering in and stopping the Keller machine from doing its thing. So, in a way, Benton saves the day. It, this is this is very true. Yes, incompetence, incompetence saves the day. From a- just like the chroma dots, <laughs> allowing us to watch Color Doctor Who. Incompetence saves the day with Benton shooing Barnum away. Yep, it's true. And I mean, from a narrative perspective, I think it's I think it's great. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not complaining about that as a uh, as a choice for for the story itself. I'm just I am just laughing behind my hand at Sergeant Benton yeah. being Sergeant Benton. Poor Sergeant Benton. You know what? I, I mean, John Levine has sort of become a, a pastiche on himself. <laughs> Personally, he sort of like took one too many uh, self esteem courses, I think, and sort of is a like a has the persona of a failed stand-up comedian but that shouldn't take away and it doesn't from a lot of little subtleties in his performances i love the way that he's sort of like you know when he said you know the brigadier leaves like he's sort of like oh consider yourself acting governor there's this little look of delight on his face oh look at that and he sort of like stops to look at the brigadier behind thinking i have work to do as acting governor (laughs) just a little subtleties in his performance i quite like him as sergeant benton no no it's great uh and also like how the first time the phone rings and you know it's it's in a box so he doesn't know where it is totally understandable Mm -hmm. and so you know he finds it and he answers it (laughs) and then it rings again and he's already forgotten where the phone is (laughs) Where did I put that phone? 
oh, it's just and it's he he plays it very very well like mm-hmm. and then there's like you know he's a, a little bit sheepish a little bit cowed when you know they open up that like oh right it's it's here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep it's just it's the doctor hands it to him yes. yeah he goes oh right yeah that's where it is and the doctor has sort of this eye rolly sort of yeah. a, a look to it it's just you know that's that is that is who Sergeant Benton is and I think it's it's it, yeah he does it very well yeah he's an everyman who's been basically put in charge of the prison because he's the highest ranking person to leave there while the brigadier goes off and does more important things. I didn't say anything, Siri. Uh-huh. <laughs> Your watch is talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Of course, the brigadier is going off and the brigadier has a moment of utter smugness as well when yeah. he's sort of practically hanging up on the doctor being like don't worry we've got it all covered here but of course he doesn't because yeah the master is a scientist the doctor's Mm. right and of course he turns off the the abort switch uh like first thing but then leaves the components behind for the doctor to put it back together again but still yeah well you know he's an egomaniac he doesn't think anybody's going to even get close enough to to have the opportunity to do that all he needed to do was unplug it so they can't remotely shut him down that's true um both figuratively and literally. Um, and, and then when the when the Keller machine actually gets close to them, it's literally spitting its guts out at devouring this this smorgasbord of evil that is the master. I find that quite gross and fascinating. Yeah, is I, I thought okay, was it starting to boil over before it got close to the master? I think it I, well. Perhaps the practicality of effects probably gotcha. meant that let's just start the shot and it's boiling over. That's my guess. But because uh, I was wondering if that was happening because it was in close proximity with Barnum for so long, but I guess that doesn't make as much sense as it just like overeating the way I did at Christmas dinner tonight yes. uh, on uh, on the masters. Uh, evilness. Maybe it was eating the nerve gas in the uh, cone ah, of that rocket. <laughs> Somehow from a distance. Uh, yeah. Well, sure. Head cannon sort of accepted. There we go. We'll go with that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I What I liked is uh, the relationship of Dr. Summers and Joe over the course of the story because they're through often they have been like sort of like cellmates and like gone through the ringer in various different hostage situations in the prison and stuff and then their last scene together you know it's like okay well he's fine here I have a lot of mass wounded to attend to and he sort of says goodbye to Joe and like sort of like touches her on the chin I think they probably had a few little moments there being locked up all over the past few weeks I liked it all until that little chuck on the chin like it seemed very patronizing I don't know. I think that I think they were friends. You know, you can be patronizing to one of your That's friends. True. Like the the I just uh, my reading of Joe is very much that uh, you know she knows the world that she lives in, mm. and uh, Deb has said this on on Verity many times that you know she uses the toolkit that she's got. So you know she is she is told do this, don't do that, whatever, mm. and she smiles very sweetly and she nods, and then she goes off and she does exactly what she thinks she needs to do to mm. get the job done. Um, and I feel like this. This might have been one of those moments where, like, you know, they had a very nice relationship and a, and a great rapport. And you're right. Like, it was it was fun to, to watch the two of them together. And then, like, you get to that moment where it's like he crosses the line into into being a little bit, you know, patronizing slash patriarchy. Like, oh, aren't you a sweet little girl? You take care of yourself. And she just smiles at him and nods. And it's just, you know, she just she lets him think what he needs to think about her right. uh, at their parting, which is, you know, that's kind of her. Mm-hmm. Probably is, you know, it's tough being the one woman in an entirely male world until Corporal Bell comes along. Yeah. 
Such yeah, as yeah. Joe's plate. And we had uh, uh, Cap- <coughs> Captain Chin Lee, sorry. Yeah. Captain Chin Lee, yep, as well. Mm. But uh, but yeah, and uh, Joe also, there was, I, I was a little annoyed at the doctor yelling at her for stating the obvious because obviously st- her stating the obvious mm-hmm. is like it brings to mind his the solution. So had she not done that, uh, yeah. That was, that was a little just, yeah. you know, touchy and rude of him. That is a somewhat common trope, I suppose, in their relationship a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he snaps, why are you stating the obvious? And then mm-hmm. it realizes that, oh, there's a solution in there. Kind of like me with you sometimes in a way. <laughs> sometimes I'll say, oh, no, that's wrong. Why are we doing that? And then three minutes later, wait a minute, that works. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, I just wait for you to catch up. It's like you're a Joe to my Doctor <laughs> Who. In some ways. Yep. Yeah. Wait, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, so the mind of evil, yay! Always a favorite story of mine, possibly because of the action. But I'm going to appreciate <laughs> other things about it, and I'm glad that you have become to enjoy it as well. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites because of the opposite of the action: the smallest, the tiniest, the quietest mm-hmm. moments. And there are, I mean, in part because it's a six part story, so mm-hmm. like there's, but there's so many of those little things like if i had been if i were if this were a podcast where i took notes i feel like i would have an entire page of moments because there are so many just good little moments uh, in this story little moments of charm mm-hmm. perhaps one might say you don't want to refer- referencing there no but you're clearly referencing something yeah at john pert we always like to have little uh, moments of charm in there written in for his character to have um, during speeches or some little moments that you'll see you'll see them over the course of the next uh, three and a half seasons here i suspect that my definition of charm is a little different from his because i think the moments that i love are probably not the kind of moments that he is talking about well we'll find out yeah. when we get to them i suppose i'm trying to think are there any in the next story i'm not too sure so you actually you know of some of these specific moments that he referred to as mo- okay well then i hope i hope that whenever we get to those stories <laughs> however long in the future that will be that you remember to point some of them out so I can either go, oh, wow, yeah, that was really yeah. charming. Or I could go, oh, I can see how he would think that it would be charming. I will. I'm <laughs> trying to think, do any happen in season eight? Or is this something there where we finally said, you know what? Let's have some more moments of charm this year. And, and maybe that's how they started to creep into the show a little more. Because I'm starting to think about at least four of them oh. <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, yeah. They are in later seasons? They might be in later seasons. I'm thinking, are they happening in the next three stories of season eight? And I'm not too sure right now off the top of my head, but they, they might. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, hashtag teaser for me. For you. Do you know what story is uh, next here in our little odyssey? I don't. It's a four-part story. Oh, my. Yep. You can go ahead and tell me what it is. I, I don't do know how much I want to say in regards to uh, uh, who's in it and on it and stuff. Oh, no, I just wanted you to tell me the title. Well, good. I'm just prefacing that. It is The Claws of Axos. Which I have never seen. I am so excited that you have never seen The Claws of Axos. Or it could be one that like maybe I saw at some point in my childhood and don't remember. And I will have moments of being like that that scene looks familiar that character looks familiar but i i don't know I, I i suspect that this one completely passed me by maybe uh it was one of our earliest radio free scaro commentaries so it might have predated you listening to the show no because remember oh, it's oh, almost certainly did but when i started listening to radio free scaro i sort of river songed it 
And so I started listening with the episode that was the most recent, like when I discovered that you existed. And then I started going backward and listening, you know, I don't remember what episode number I started at. Say it was 200. It wasn't. But if it was 200, then next I would listen to 199, 198, 197. So I did listen to a bunch of your commentaries. But since I was going in reverse order, if that was an early one, I never got to it because I still have like a dozen that I never got to. Yeah, I think it's in the 90s somewhere, like not the 1990s, obviously. Well, pretty close, uh, but um, yeah, I think ninety one or ninety two or ninety three. Anyway, um, I'm I'm looking for a. I, we won't be able to watch it for this because we only watch the episodes. But it's the earliest um, surviving uh, raw studio footage oh exists of uh, <laughs> part uh, the parts one and two, which is always exciting just to see how television was made back then. So that's fun and exciting. I I know you love your raw studio footage. I really do. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes I'll walk in the room and he'll just have it on mm-hmm. Ran- random, random raw studio footage from Doctor Who in the 1970s. And yeah, the laugh a minute there. And 80s as well. Uh, all the hard work that the restoration team and all those who put their work into the Doctor Who Blu-rays and the stuff that I cherish the most is the raw studio footage. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, good on them for pulling that together oh, yeah. and including that. So, you know, they get kudos for that. Well, I know, but Russell Minton, who's the uh, executive producer of them all, like basically trims a lot of them because a lot of it's like camera moves and stuff, you know, moving cameras around and thing. But I seriously would want all of that. I don't care if it's 12 hours worth, knocked down to about three hours. I want all of it. I want all of it. I want cameras moving. I want chatter in the background. I want Peter Davison standing around doing nothing for like three and a half minutes. I want all all of it. So in future Blu-rays, nothing but studio footage. Nothing. But I will take that. I will take whatever you can give me, BBC. Just Can you just please put it on a thumb drive and just mail it <laughs> to Edmonton, yeah. please? Yeah, I, w- I will pay money. I will pay money for this, please, if you're listening out there. Um, people who make the Blu-rays, make it happen. Raw studio footage. Raw. Complete. Oh, oh my God. I'm just picturing like this being Christmas and having watched you open some Christmas presents <laughs> earlier today. I am picturing what your face would look like if you actually like, you know, were able to to get that. And yeah. yeah wow. Oh, like yeah. it's it's like an angelic like Hosanna's sort of oh, kind of a moment. Put the kettle on. I am staying up all night and I'm watching that. <laughs> yep. Yep. You would. And then I would I would go to sleep and say, have a lovely night, yeah. dear. And you'd wake up and go, are you still watching? Yes, you should see it hour five it was amazing <laughs> they stopped for tea i've never seen a tea break happen live in person and it happened uh, yeah good for you so the claws of axos uh without the raw studio footage edited together in four actual episodes uh will start on the next episode or episodes of lazy doctor who where on the on the incomparable podcast network <laughs> goodbye yeah. yeah i can't do it as well as you can i can't Goodbye.